0: Hey y'all, welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I am your host, Cannabis Sativa. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and would like to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at Sativa at gmail.com. Hey y'all, hope y'all are having a very good Friday. Um, this is Mr. Sativa here. Um, So, it's 6.10 p.m. in Legal, Massachusetts, the heartland of America right now. Um, So, today's story is from Leafly. Um, It's written by Max Savage Levinson. Montana preps for big change in cannabis rules. The next 18 months are shaping up to be a time of upheaval and change for the Montana chaotic cannabis space. A new law passed by state legislature in May will allow medical marijuana patients to purchase from any dispensary in the state, ending the frustrating practice of tethering each patient to a single dispensary. Wow, I didn't know Montana had that. You know, Montana has that sort of rule. Um, I, I know New Hampshire, for a fact, has that rule because I've done research and I did an episode. Check out the episode about how to get a card if you live in the Granite State, if you haven't already, and, and you live there. Um, New Jersey does that, I know, for a fact. So that's like three states. And that's it's really surprising, but let me let me go on. Patients will now be able to purchase up to five ounces of cannabis per month. But the tax will bump from two to four percent. There should be no tax on medicine. Don't tax medicine. Alright? It's like, it's like the activists in Canada say don't tax medicine. Meanwhile, voters may consider one or possibly two statewide adult use legalization initiatives in November 2020. So what are the hundreds of dispensary owners and legalization activists are are doing this summer? Getting ready for a whirlwind of change. A system constantly in flux. Montana's medical program has been bedeviled with setbacks and resets since it was first passed into law in 2004. After an initial explosion of dispensaries and years of what state officials characterize as minimal oversight, federal authorities began raiding Montana dispensaries. Then in 2011, the state legislature approved a measure that limited dispensaries to serving no more than three total patients. Implementation of that law was delayed by years of court challenges, but it finally took effect 2016 and effectively booted 93% of Montana's medical cannabis patients off the state program and into the illicit market. Later that year, voters approved a new statewide ballot measure, repealed the 3% rule. It has taken nearly three years for the program to return to its patient-based to its pre-2011 levels. Today, about 30,000 patients are registered to use medical marijuana in Montana. And this is why I do what I do. Because of those raids and because of the federal government's reefer madness in, in earlier this decade, so many people were denied access to a medicine that was helping them for several years. You know, people had access to a medicine for six or so years, and then you had all these raids, you had all these raids happening in the aughts, and you had these people knocked off the, the, the patient roles, and you had these people, you know, intimidated out of the existence for using their, 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 their medicine. It's, it's, this is why I do what I do. I, I do this to fight reformatists. I do this so people don't have to worry about this access ever again. People don't have to worry about the federal government and the and the authoritarians in charge telling us what to do with our bodies, telling us how to exercise our freedoms. And I, I, I can't stand that, okay? I'm in Massachusetts. I live in a legal state. I want Montana to live in a legal state. I want, I want them to have the same freedom I have. You know, I mean, we're past the days of raids nowadays. Hope, thankfully, but um, you know, it took it took a while. It took it took a while for them, like the article just said, to return back to to close to what their twenty eleven levels were. What what it was before the raids and before the intimidation, before the DEA. DEA, go away. Now, now you now you're finally having these people getting their access again. And if adult use passes next year, everybody's going to have access because like, like we say often on this podcast, so many people for job reasons, for um, for for Second Amendment reasons, do not get their me- their medical card, even though they have chronic pain, they have sleep issues, they have depression, they have anxiety, they have all these other things that they're taking all these other dangerous pills for. But, you know, they're going to lose their job. They're going to be- not be able to provide for their family. And they're not going to be able to, to have a gun to provide for themselves or to protect their their castle or for whatever darn reason they want, as long as they're not unjustly hurting anybody. So let's continue. Need need funds for enforcement. Legal compliance continues to be a major sticking point, though and the state's inability to enforce its own laws has become a source of frustration and embarrassment earlier this year the state's department of public health and human services dphs which oversees the medical marijuana program discovered that lionheart wellness the state's largest provider has never been in full compliance with the state rules well as long as people aren't getting sick off the medicine who cares you know, no more of this fake legalization. As minimal as minimal laws as possible, you regulate this like tomatoes. You keep the government out of the way, and you just let you just l- make it so the government enshr- enshr- enshrines rights. Make sure that you're not fired for using cannabis. Make sure you're not evicted for using cannabis. You know, and make sure th- make sure that you have places to use. That's all the government really needs to do. You know, and this is coming from a guy who's a progressive. This is all the government really needs to do on cannabis. They need to just deschedule. They need to expunge the people that are already in jail for a harmless plant. They need to expunge. They need to give them. They need to give the people that they expunge first crack at, at starting businesses, and maybe even cut them, or not even cut them. Cut them loans if they want to start a, a dispensary. Interest-free loans. Give them all the money they need to do it, and give them all the guidance they need to be successful at it. And, you know, you just and the government just enshrines rights, you know, that's it. They enshrine rights and maybe they collect a few taxes. That's all they need. that's all they really need to do. They don't need to do this. Oh, we need to keep edibles at 100 milligrams because, you know, kids are going to get access to it. Well, kids get access to alcohol. Kids get access to cigarettes. It's up to the parent. It's up to the parent to do their job as a parent and make sure their kids don't have access. Why should it be the state's responsibility? We needed more inspectors on the ground," said Sen. Tom Jacobson, Democrat of Great Falls, who has been leading voice has been a leading voice in cannabis issues in the state capital of Helena. Tax doubling. Jacobson hopes that a new law he sponsored will change that. That that law, which passed as Senate Bill 265, will overhaul many of the aspects of the Montana Medical Marijuana Act, beyond doing away with the state's long-standing tethering system. It also raises taxes on marijuana starting October 1, 2019 in order to provide more funds for oversight for the state's exploding industry. The current 2% tax on medical cannabis will double to 4% in this October. 2% is not adequate to fund the number of positions and costs that the DPHHS has budgeted, Jacobson told Leafly. Additional revenue, he has spent, explained, will be put towards funding alternative pain management education, like for opioid recovery treatment. I felt that, that because of my involvement with marijuana legislation in 2017, it was partly my responsibility to help correct this in 2019, Jacobson added. Providers prepare to untether. Tethering has long prevented the medical cannabis market from flourishing in Montana. If you're on a road if you're on the road all the time and your provider is in Missoula, you have no choice but to shop the back market or to stock up and plan adequately. Emmy Purcell, co owner of Greenhouse Pharmacy, a dispensary with two locations in Missoula which serves roughly a thousand patients. It's crazy. When untethering goes into effect, the date is currently undetermined, but by law, it must be implemented before July 1st, 2020. It may prove to be a sink or swim moment for many cannabis companies. Good. Let the free market, let the free market take over and let the patients decide what's good cannabis, what ain't. If you ain't cutting it, you ain't going to last. Greenhouse pharmacy owners Purcell is preparing for a likely flood of new patients. She recently signed a 10 year lease on a second growth space, a literally underground, wow, it sounds awesome, 13,000 square foot spot in downtown Missoula, adjacent to a recording studio. Right now, stockpiling is the name of the game, Purcell told Leafly. Different strategy. A couple miles away, on the outskirts of town, Adam Machane, the owner and grower of Stokes Dispensary, is keeping his operation small, at least for the time being. Machain provides cannabis for about 80 patients, and the company has only three employees. Machane, Eli Frederick, who handles inventory and compliance, and Keegan Surig, the processing manager. Manchin hopes that the quality of his cannabis will speak for itself and allow for him to weather the storm of increased competition. Staying afloat is about providing the right product, he told Leafly. People are going to produce as much as they can when untethering happens. It's not where I want to go. New 5-ounce limit already in effect. Under the new law, patients will now be able to purchase up to 5 ounces of cannabis per month and no more than 1 ounce per day. The rule has already gone into effect, according to the state health department. A tracking system will allow dispensaries to see how much a patient has purchased. Patients will need more than a legal limit, like cancer patients will be able to petition the DPHS for additional cannabis. There was an amendment that was added to my bill, Jacobson said. Five ounces won't work for everyone. Because providers in Montana are required to be vertically integrated. Again, vertical integration is bad. Just say no to vertical integration. If you are listening in Nebraska right now, which I know I I have people in Nebraska listening. If you are listening in Mississippi, I have Mississippi listeners. If you are listening, do not offer vertical integration. Florida just struck down vertical integration. All vertical integration does is make it so only the very rich can start a dispensary. Because you you have to control the process from from top to bottom. You have to manufacture, you have to retail, you have to grow, you have to do everything. That makes it so only people with tens of millions of dollars are able to, to even get going on that. It keeps prices high for the consumers and it limits choices for the consumers. Because only the millionaires can do it, not not small time craft growers, not small time businesswomen or businessmen it's only the big corporations that can benefit and and because you have a cartel system with vertical integration which we see in in medical market in Massachusetts, because of that, you only have fifty dispensaries, you have several that have you have se- you have just a handful of companies that own several and they can charge you three hundred an ounce. And you know they're complacent because they don't have the small growers nipping at their heels. They don't have the caregivers nipping at their heels. At least in Massachusetts, we don't really have much of a caregiver scene. But you don't have the small growers, the craft growers, and the pioneers that've been doing this forever and that do this better than a lot of dispensaries. You don't have you. They're not compete. The vertically integrated multi-million dollar big cannabis companies cannot compete with with the small quantity. Pioneer growers that can do a better job than they can a lot of times just say no to vertical integration. I'm telling you man. It's a bad idea. You can ask you can ask people in Florida about it and they're, they're rejoicing now that the, now that their state court got rid of it. Let's continue. Each cannabis company must handle growing, processing, and selling in-house. The new SB265 regulations will define them by size of their grow canopy, not by the amount of cannabis they produce. Large tiers require that a particular amount of space be set aside for cultivation. Furthermore, a pre-existing requirement that each dispensary allocate no more than 30 square feet of space per patient will not change under current new law. Skepticism still abounds. Despite the promise of SB265, some business owners remain very wary. Over, over at Stokes, Mason and his business partners are concerned about the cha- challenges and confusion associated with staying in compliance. Changes in labeling standards, for instance, are expected to produce tons of waste. We transition through five to seven tracks just to get the flour in the jars, not to mention the byproducts from trim, Mason said. Compliance laws are changing all the time, and keeping up with them is a pain, he added. Jacobson, for the most part, says that now that the law has been passed, oversight will fall on the state health department. Legislatures will have, legislators will have 90 days to do our job once every two years, and then we go home. Oh, it's, like, Texas, so they have a once-every-two-year system. I'm I'm learning. That's what I love about doing this stuff. Like, you learn so much about how, how state governments work. Like, I learned that Texas has that system, you know. And I learned that, like, in, in Maryland or whatever, like, they only, I think they only meet from, like, January to, like, April or May or something like that. And then that's, that's it for the year. So a lot in a lot of states you only have you only have once every two years to make reforms. And if you don't do that, you're screwed. But yeah, that's what I love about doing this. You learn you learn so much about these things. Then we turn over the keys to the department to get the bus to where it needs to go, he said. It is understandable that providers were skeptical based on how indefinitely the department implemented the rules the first time. I have full confidence that the department is paying attention to this and doing it well. If not, we will revisit the issue. A 2020 Adult Use Initiative Adding to the feeling that substantial change is coming to Montana, two advocacy groups, MontanCan Can and Coalition 406 have introduced petitions this week to get adult use on the ballot next year. I think it's feasible, Jacobson said, a full legalization, Montana. It's good to go to the people for a vote on a controversial controversial issue like marijuana. Exactly. Bring it up to the voters, because the lawmakers, except in Illinois are, and Vermont, I mean, you can't really count Vermont because they didn't legalize sales. But most of the lawmakers are very skittish and they're very reefer madness. You know, they haven't done it in decades. They see it as a low priority issue. They don't really see medical benefit. Or, or, or they have to pretend that they, they have to at least head fake that medical is real. So they'll legalize it even in very conservative states. But most of the lawmakers hold cannabis in contempt. And the few guys you have like Jacobson or the few gals you have that are pro-cannabis are, are drowned out by people that are neutral to um, contemptuous on the issue at best. So, you know, like if, if again, if Massachusetts didn't have ballot initiatives, we wouldn't have legal cannabis right now. And I, I would bet you money, even California wouldn't have it. Even Oregon. Okay, well, maybe Oregon. Washington State—that's a maybe. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But even all the West Coast might not have it right now. They might still be in the position where it's decrim or it's or it's highly regulated medical, you know. But I don't. I don't think. I don't think you'd have eleven states if you didn't have ballot measures because most of these states it had to come through the people. In New York, you saw the lawmakers get skittish. You saw the governor got get skittish. In New Jersey, you got you saw. The you saw the lawmakers get skittish in Delaware. You have some lawmakers that want it, but you have a governor that's dead against it. In 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 Pennsylvania, you have governor you have the governor and lieutenant governor that want it legal, but you have a Republican-controlled assembly and a Republican-controlled um, uh, state senate. So you, you, good luck getting that done. So it's best to bring it up to the voters. No matter how the fight for recreational cannabis plays out in Montana, however, the success of Senate Bill 265 is a reminder that it is not enough to merely pass medical marijuana or adult use bill and call it day. You need to do it the right way. End of article. So, um, I don't have... I don't think I have too much more to add to this. Um, I think I've already said all that I've needed to say. Um... It's it's just hogwash that these things are are happening that um that you know um that that the that their program got knocked off course to begin with when it was thriving in the earlier two thousands and then you have the DEA that has to ruin things and then but you know you know it's great that two sixty five is getting rid of the you can only go to one dispensary at a time that's a huge victory it's. It's also bad that what they're doing is they're, you know, it's also bad that they're, that they're raising the tax. Medicine should not be taxed. When I go to CVS and get my prescription filled, it's never taxed. Don't tax medicine like the Canadian activists say. Don't tax medicine. And, but there's also a win in the fact that vertical integration is going to be done away with so you know the people of Montana can look forward to better prices and more variety and you know more freedom overall you know despite some of the flaws with this if you find yourself coming around often to my podcast and want to support and expand our humble little project there are a few ways you can support us we plan on doing Big and humble little things with our projects, such as getting to trade shows, visiting other MMJ and recreational states, and doing on-field work. Supporting us helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, and equipment, and travel. And you can do this by going to www.anchor.fm slash podcast slash support. You can also support me now on patreon at www.patreon.com slash sativa podcasts you can support the podcast for as little as one dollar a month. We also have five dollar and ten dollar tiers if you're feeling extra generous and those come with their own benefits too and um, if you subscribe to the the 10 and above tier, you, you get some personal time if you're over 21 with Mr. Sativa. So, you know, you can chat with me on Discord. You know, we can have 15-minute one-on-one time. So you get, you get exclusive episodes. You get early releases when you join these tiers. And you can also subscribe and find our podcasts Spotify, iTunes, Anchor FM, Overcast, Radio Republic, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Follow us on socials at um, on on Twitter, for example, at IC Sativa Podcast, and on Instagram at I Am Cannabis Sativa. And as always, stay medicated, my friends. Peace.